0: Hey what's up everybody, welcome to the Dunker Punks podcast, this is Jacob Kraus. I've been doing music and editing for the podcast since it was started and today I'm taking on a bit of a different role. I'm going to be a host, Pastor Nancy Fitzgerald has retired, she's moving on to traveling and just getting to do a lot of things that you don't get to do when you're working all the time. So, I'm really stoked to give this a shot, and I hope it works well. So, without further ado, let's get it.
1: I don't want to be rich. Don't want to be popular. Don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be...
0: excited to have Laura Weimer with us again today. She's been working on a master's program in social work and wants to share a little bit about what she's learned through that program. Some of the concepts she's delving into are power and privilege and how when those concepts are misused, they can bring about oppression. We've been hearing a lot about these sorts of things in the news lately. I feel like they've brought about a lot of conversation and... A lot of self-reflection, so I, I encourage you to take to heart what Laura has to say. Let's listen.
2: Hi, everyone. I hope everyone is doing well. This is Laura again. My previous podcast included audio of me talking with some key staff members of several nonprofit organizations in the Arlington, Virginia area which is the county of my hometown church, the Arlington Church of the Brethren. I talked with someone from OAR, Offender Aid and Restoration, and talked about the high incarceration rates in the United States and um, prisoner reentry. I also talked with somebody from Doorways and learned some about homelessness and women and children and families. And I also talked with somebody from AFAC, the Arlington Food Assistance Center, and learned some about their work handing out food, and about hunger. For this episode, I decided to try something a little bit different. Some listeners may know, but probably many don't know, that I started a Master's of Social Work program in the fall of 2017, so the pa- this past August. So I've only had one semester of classes and field work. but even with this limited time under my belt, I have become a more critical thinker. That being said, I definitely have more questions than answers, and by no means am I an expert on social work and what I want to talk about today. However, my schooling the past semester has gotten my wheels turning, and I hope it might do the same for you. I've learned a lot about different um, social work values, techniques, different approaches, um, but certain words and certain themes keep coming up both in classes and in my field work And I have become more aware of two words and their importance in multiple aspects in many people's lives. These words are power and privilege. These words may have different meanings to some, and their manifestations may vary. The power and privilege and lack thereof definitely can look different in different people's lives and in different aspects of our world. And although the sole purpose of this discussion and exploration isn't to just provide definitions of these words... I have found for me at least it can be helpful to work from a common understanding of what these words mean or at least one definition of what these words may mean. So I just wanted to give you all a few ways these words can be interpreted and just kind of provide a framework for what I'll be talking about a little bit later. So one of the many online resources one of my professors provided is from the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network. It's a document with multiple pages and it's Titled, It's a jumpstart guide, and it's titled Examining Power, Privilege, and Oppression. So although I won't specifically be focusing on one particular group when talking about power, I really liked this group's definitions and their explorations on some big topics. So their definition of power, and I'm quoting from them, they say a good definition of power is the ability to get what you want. They say groups and individuals both pursue and exert power. On an individual level, people find power within themselves in different ways. And what makes one person feel powerful may not make someone else feel the same way. This group or the, in this um, document, they also talk about privilege. In their definition, they say that privilege is a special advantage or right that a person is born into or acquires during their lifetime. They note that privilege is not available to everyone in society and say that privilege and power are closely related. That privilege often gives a person or group power over others. And they also included a definition and talk a little bit about oppression, which isn't specifically something I'll be focusing on, but it definitely plays into and um, is a part of both power and privilege. So oppression... um, This document says that it is a pattern or system of inequality that gives power and privileges to members of one group of people at the expense of another. So those are just a couple definitions of power, privilege, and oppression from the um, Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network. Another document from CLASS, and this is from Just Practice, A Social Justice Approach to Social Work, this is the second edition, and is by Finn and Jacobson. Um, these authors acknowledge there are multiple definitions and conceptualizations of power. Um, they cite a definition of power saying that power is, quote, the capacity of some persons to produce intended and foreseen effects on others. And they also cite another definition of power saying that power is not to be confused with dominance. Power is based on the ability to provoke a response. They also talk about four forms of power, power over power from within, power with, and power to do. Over winter break, I watched a documentary on Netflix entitled Poverty, Inc. It was very enlightening, and I would recommend it for anyone interested in social justice, foreign aid, and charity. It talks a lot about the foreign aid industry and some of the ways that foreign aid and Individuals in other countries, specifically focused on foreign aid, individuals in other countries sometimes benefit from foreign aid, but in some, in many ways, are harmed. Both individuals and communities can actually be harmed from some of the way aid is being done. Um, I would definitely, you know, recommend this for anyone um, interested. And as I was watching this documentary, I couldn't help but think of power. Um, individuals receiving aid often have little to no power, and this documentary showed that aid many receive may be help- may not be helpful, and even worse, it is might be harmful. Um, the documentary highlighted some promising projects and noted that aid does not have to be harmful. So I definitely don't want to um, give the impression that aid or um, assistance is um, harmful um it, but they they did highlight some promising projects and i noticed that these positive this positive aid and this positive way of interacting with others who may need some assistance um i noticed that these had something in common at least one thing in common and this is that they gave power to individuals so a lot of the aid that um, many people think of and a lot of the aid that was talked about in this documentary doesn't disrupt the cycle of poverty and powerlessness. Um, and it is clear that in many cases, to better people's situation, they need power. So this documentary and thinking about power made me think of the New Community Project headed by David Radcliffe. Some of you may be familiar with this organization, and in fact, um, I Notice that Sarah interviewed David Radcliffe in the Dunker Punks podcast titled Alternative Giving. They talk about alternative giving, and actually, as David said, also alternative ideas. So I just want to give a little bit of background in case um, anybody's not familiar. Um, And as outlined on their website, www.newcommunityproject.org, I would definitely recommend everybody check that out, Their goal, and this is stated on the website, is to change the world by changing the way we relate to the planet and its people. The New Community Project does a lot of things. They are involved in earth care, combating climate change, and justice. um, And there's really a lot of interesting and informative information on their website. I actually went on a learning tour to El Salvador with David in the New Community Project when I was in high school. And I learned a lot about um, El Salvador's history their present concerns, and I got to meet um, citizens of El Salvador and hear their stories. And one thing that really um, stuck out to me is just getting to know people and learn about people there and learn about their humanity and really see them as people. Um, I really wanted to highlight one of New Community's projects. They call them special projects on the website, and one of them is Give a Girl a Chance, Their website states, and this is just taken from their website, that the Give a Girl a Chance Fund helps women and girls around the world have a decent chance for a decent life. Um, The New Community Project on their website notes that they um, work with grassroots partner organizations. And um, and just to name a few positive positive effects, Give a Girl a Chance helps provide education for girls and young women. Um, It provides further education and vocational training it helps support microloan projects and helps keep girls away from sex trafficking. And their website also notes that education for young women is often very rare and it's very valuable. And um, education can help keep girls away from early marriage. It can help increase self-esteem. and can help women prepare for a life other than menial labor or dehumanizing jobs. They um, also note that increased education and vocational training greatly increases women's career, women's and girls' career opportunities. And the microloan projects that they support help women begin small businesses, and this in turn helps women have income for them and their families. It helps build self-esteem, teach business skills, and it helps women have their own money for needed expenses or for their children's education or to share with others. Um, so basically, their projects help empower young women and girls get an education, start businesses, um, and the new community project also helps um, works to keep girls in school and away from traffickers. And they also have a um, tailoring training program, which helps women learn skills and earn money for themselves and their families. Obtaining education, vocational training, and staying out of the sex trade helps women and girls build power. The New Community Project helps empower women and girls by helping them obtain the education and skills necessary to earn their own money. The New Community Project has not set out to maintain the status quo. Power is necessary for change, and I believe the New Community Project embodies what nonprofit organizations should strive to do. They help build power and restore individuals' humanity. I do want to point out that At least in my mind, previously, power might have a negative connotation to some. So, as I continue to think about both the beneficial and harmful and and the positive and negatives of power, I hope you will do the same. As I end the discussion on power, I just invite you to reflect on a couple of questions. And these are certainly not questions that I have answers to or that any of you need to have answers to right away or necessarily any time. They're just questions to just think about. Um... And so I just would like you to think, in what ways do you have power? In what ways do you not have power? And how about others, both in the United States and in other countries around the world? How do these others power or lack thereof compare to yours? How do you as an individual, your church or faith community, or other groups of which you are a part, and society as a whole, contribute to existing power structures and power inequality? And conversely, how do you in groups of which you are a part, help disrupt existing structures to make society more equitable? So earlier I mentioned I was going to talk about two words. so we just talked a little bit about power and secondly, I wanted to talk about privilege. I gave the definition earlier, but just as a reminder, privilege, again, it can have multiple. Definitions and um, meanings just as power can, um, but just as a reminder, one definition and this definition is defined by the gay, lesbian, and straight education networks. Guide examining power, privilege, and oppression. And they say privilege is this is quoted from them a special advantage or right that a person was born into or acquires during their lifetime. Privilege is not available to everyone in society and note that privilege and power are closely related. Privilege often gives a person or group power over others. We did a privilege exercise in one of my classes last semester, and for this activity, all the students in the class stood side by side in a horizontal line, shoulder to shoulder, and the professor then read statements and instructed students to either step forward or step back if the statements apply to them, And at the end of the exercise, we examined where we were in relation to others and noted whether we were more ahead or behind others. After this exercise, we debriefed and discussed our experiences, and very few students were surprised about their final position in the exercise. I hadn't done this before. I know a lot of people might have heard about this. Maybe some haven't. I had never done this exercise before, and it was definitely really interesting and I would recommend it to anybody if they're interested or even just learning more about it. Um, this can be found online. and it's, I've found it online, t- and it's usually titled Privilege Walk. I found instructions and some sample questions on many sites, but just a few of them that I wanted to give to you I found from PeaceLearner.org and on a webpage from their website titled Privilege Walk Lesson Plan. So I just wanted to give listeners an idea of a few of the prompts um, just to kind of give an idea of some things that might have somebody step forward or step backward indicating maybe um, some areas of privilege or some areas where people do not have privilege. So just a few of these prompts. If English is your first language, take one step forward. If you can find Band-Aids at mainstream stores designed to blend in with or match your skin tone, take one step forward. If you have attended previous schools with people you felt were like yourself, take one step forward. If you were able to move throughout the world without fear of sexual assault, take one step forward. If you were ever made fun of or bullied for something you could not change or was beyond your control, take one step back. If your family owns a computer, take one step forward. If you can show affection for your romantic partner in public without fear of ridicule or violence, take one step forward. If your family has health insurance, take one step forward. If you were ever uncomfortable about a joke related to your race, religion, ethnicity, gender, disability, or sexual orientation, but felt unsafe to confront the situation, take one step back. As listeners may have noticed, this exercise touches on multiple kinds of privilege, Many of which are intertwined. So another interesting piece I read for class is by Peggy McIntosh. It's titled White Privilege Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack. It can be found online at antiracistalliance.com/slash unpacking.html. So McIntosh writes, quote, and this is a quote, as a white person, I realized I had been taught about racism as something that puts others at a disadvantage but I've been taught not to see one of its corollary aspects, white privilege, which puts me at an advantage. And she also says that, quote, I have come to see white privilege as an invisible package of unearned assets that I can count on cashing in each day. She then lists what she calls the daily effects of white privilege. I'll not read all of them, um, but I do encourage you to check out the rest if you are interested. Some of these may seem intuitive and obvious, um, but some of them, for me, just are not things that I think about all the time, especially, um, again, as I said, some of these I'll be giving you are just a few from this whole list, and some of them really have stuck out to me, um, and I definitely encourage you to check this out if you're interested. Um, so some of these white privileges that she lists, um, says, I can if I wish, Arrange to be in the company of people of my race most of the time. I can be pretty sure that my neighbors in a location will be neutral or pleasant to me. I can turn on the television or open the front page of the paper and see people of my race widely represented. I can be sure that my children will be given curricular materials that testify to the existence of their race. I do not have to educate my children to be aware of systemic racism for their own daily physical protection. I am never asked to speak for all the people of my racial group, and I can remain oblivious of the language and customs of persons of color who constitute the world's majority without feeling in my culture any penalty for such oblivion. Similar to the discussion on power, I wanted to leave everyone with a few questions, and again, these are not questions that anybody needs to have answers for, nor are they questions that I have answers for. They're just questions to think about. So in what ways do you have privilege? What types of privilege were you aware of before listening to this podcast? And are there any other types of privilege that you have that you may not have thought about before? Again, I want to thank everyone for listening. I know this was different than past episodes, and I want to reiterate again that I am still struggling with some of these hard questions. These questions and brief discussions were simply to get people thinking in new ways that they may not have thought about before, or if people have, just a way to continue the exploration some have already started.
0: started talking about power and privilege, the thing that came to my mind was the national news media coverage of Black Lives Matter and Me Too movements. Oppressed people are standing up to abusive powers that have been misusing their powers for far too long. As she continued, I started thinking about my city, Washington, D.C., and my community, how it's been through a fair amount of oppression and how it's been a place where people can come to gather and protest against the government and against those abusive powers and make a visual statement. And how now it's become a place for gentrification and its continuing struggle with that. People are being shoved out of the city whose families have been here forever just because they can't afford it anymore. And then as Laura continued, I started thinking about myself and analyzing, well, where do I fit in all of this? Well, as a straight white male, I have a considerable amount of privilege. So if I were to take a privilege walk with my peers, which I haven't done before, but after hearing about it, it seems like a really interesting exercise um, to go through with with your peers, I would be pretty far out in front. If not, like way out in front, I have a considerable amount of power just being born a straight white male. So to reiterate some of the questions Laura asks and questions that we should ask ourselves, in what ways do you have power? How do you contribute and disrupt systemic powers in society? What types of privilege were you aware before you listened to this podcast? Where do you stand did a privilege walk with your peers. Everyone relates to these questions differently. For me, I'm participating in the gentrification of D.C. I'm a hipster Amish kid living in a historically black neighborhood, but at the same time, I can relate to my neighbors. I participate in the front porch scene. I sit down and I talk with Mr. Flowers two houses over. I garden in my front yard. I work on my bikes in the backyard like the rest of the community protest on behalf of the people who don't get a protest. If you haven't listened to the songs White Privilege and White Privilege 2 by Macklemore, there's some explicit lyrics, but I feel like their messages are relevant to us um, regardless of what ethnic background or gender you associate yourself with. So I want to leave you today with part of a verse in White Privilege 2. Macklemore says... A lot of opinions, a lot of confusion, a lot of resentment. Some of us scared, some of us defensive, and most of us aren't even paying attention. It seems like we're more concerned with being called racist than we actually are with racism. I've heard that silences are action, and God knows that I've been passive. What if I actually read an article, actually had a dialogue, actually looked at myself, actually got involved? If I'm aware of my privilege and do nothing at all, dunker punks, we need to analyze ourselves and we need to act on it where do you stand the dunker punks podcast is produced by a team of more than a dozen young adult contributors from across the country who are trying to be responsible and use their power for good I'm your host and editor for this episode and created the show's music. Suzanne Lay is our executive producer. You can learn more about the podcast at arlingtoncob.org slash dpp Find us on social media at Pod. Find other Dunker Punks at dunkerpunks.com and send any questions to dpp at arlingtoncob.org slash dpp Find ways to get involved Volunteer, share the show, or become a donor at arlingtoncob.org/slash DPP partner. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Peace.